Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Welcome into the 615 Sessions podcast on this Saturday. Hope everybody's bundled up and warm, staying inside from the cold, got the football on. We're doing a little of our own uh, kind of Manning cast around here. The good uh, the good uh, man uh, to my left as you're watching us is Teron Davenport of ESPN, who's kind enough to make some time for us on this Saturday. TD, I appreciate you. Yeah, no, I appreciate you, man. It's always fun to come on here and talk some shop and we get to, you know, watch this game. Nice pass by Stroud just now. Well, I uh, I want to uh, I wanted to try and take a different angle on this because with so much news coming around and and for all we know, David Shaw's interview could be completed with the Titans before this podcast. Yeah, and knowing that he's on the schedule, but the the coaching search is ongoing, and this is an opportunity for us to uh, kind of talk through with the audience two of these candidates who are facing up against one another in this divisional round between the Ravens and the Texans, Mike McDonald on the Baltimore side coordinating the defense, and Bobby Slowick uh, getting the Texans offense trying to pull the kind of upset that we haven't seen since uh, a different AFC South team went to Baltimore to face the number one overall seed and cause them some problems. Been a little while since uh, <laughs> since that since that uh, that game in M&T Bank Stadium, Tehran, but I know that crowd is uh, just as vicious as it was the night that we were there. Yeah, that was a crazy environment. Uh, Taylor Luan, I'm busting with the boys. He said that was the, you know, best environment he had been in on an NFL level. And, man, I, I don't know that that's too far from the truth. Maybe the NFC championship game when I saw the Eagles and Vikings. But nevertheless, man, that environment is crazy. Uh, Baltimore is a rabid fan base. Fortunately, this game isn't at night, you know, so – it may not be as crazy as it was when we were there, but man, it got quiet in there pretty quickly uh, after the uh, Titans had that start. Real quick, from uh, Metallica and uh, LED laser light shows to uh, very, very a lot of bad feelings amongst Ravens fans who were basically sitting right in front of us the way that that press box is set up. But yeah, I, the Ravens are holding the Texans at bay so far. It's three nothing as we do the podcast uh, during this first quarter, Tehran, and I guess. Just kind of your your uh, general thoughts on the coaching search that has been underway here, the volume of candidates that they have brought in, uh, how much easier the virtual, the ability to do these things virtually has kind of made that process to be able yes. to cast a wide net, which is exactly what Amy Adams Strunk in her statement and Rand Carthon in his press conference after uh, firing Mike Vrabel told us that they were going to do. Right, exactly. You're seeing the execution of the game plan that they had clearly drawn up that they wanted to leave no stone unturned. It's interesting, right? They sent, what is it, 11 requests because you got David Shaw, as you mentioned, the 11th candidate. One of those guys has not interviewed yet, and that's uh, Ben Johnson, you know? So I I don't think he would in have interviewed today. Uh, yesterday was probably would have been the day where, where he did so, and obviously Aaron Glenn was, was the guy. I like the mix, right? You have diversity there. 
uh, when you talk about just you know ethnic background, but then you also have it when you're talking about ideology. Whereas you have Dan uh, uh, Quinn, you have Dan Quinn, Antonio Pierce, Aaron Glenn, Mike McDonald, who we're watching now, all of which are the defensive background, and then the other six guys are offensive background and you have david shaw who is an offensive background as well but from the college level so i think you're getting a good mix there and they're making sure that they get conversations in with everybody and i think that's the right way to go well and amy and that i've been calling it a hostage video to on the video that she did with mike <laughs> it did kind of seem like that <laughs> it's just you like know the I'm, I'm, yeah uh, they, they could have put something in the background that made it seem less like they were sitting in the sitting in the lobby of the facility conducting this interview after she just canned Mike. But you know, these are the yeah. things that I nitpick at. But she did say that they weren't, you know, that it wasn't exclusively going to be an offensive uh, coordinator, uh, a coach with an offensive background. That it was as important to for her to be presented with the staff that each of these respective coaching candidates would put together. As uh, the Ravens defense again gets the Houston Texans off the field, there was a holding call on third and 16 that backs them up. And uh, Clowney, <laughs> Clowney getting in on the rush, Matabuke getting in yeah. on the rush there uh, to force an incompletion. Mike McDonald getting the better of the Houston Texans offense as he has done uh, with offenses all year long. But uh, to, to, that, to that point about the ownership, Tehran, she's she's definitely going about this in a in a different kind of way as the last time, and I think it has as much to do with the the structure that Rand has set up with uh, Chad Brinker, whose title is assistant general manager, and his respective responsibilities are quote unquote strategy, how the analytics factor into the scouting yeah. process, and things of that nature, and then Anthony Robinson, of course, who has a primary focus on the personnel and how much wider of a berth that those four between Ran, Amy, the two assistant general managers, and then, you know, we, we don't really know the level of involvement for somebody like Burke Nihil, the Titans team president, though he was the only other person in the room when Amy fired Mike, so fair to fair to assume that he has some level of say in this decision-making. It's they, They're trying to cover as much ground as possible, but to your point um, about Ben Johnson, he had he was requested more than any other candidate um, six of the seven clubs leaving the Patriots out did put out a request for him. He has done five of those six or will have done five of those six before they play tomorrow. And the Titans are the one that he's not going to get to. If he's going to interview, it's going to be after Detroit plays in the divisional round. And, and I just don't know that that's realistic for him, given that he seems to be the favorite in Washington. Yeah, I think he's going to be the commander's next coach. When you look at Ben Johnson, the thing that you have to like is what he was able to do with Jared Goff, whereas he took a guy who was basically broken, right? And he said, okay, what did you do well in LA? What did you like about Sean McVay's offense? What plays worked for you? And he took those and he incorporated those into what he wanted to do on offense. You have a merger to where Ben Johnson, and I will give him credit, Ben Johnson became a student of McVay's offense, and what he did was tailor his scheme to his quarterback as opposed to telling his quarterback, look, this is what I do. This is what you're going to execute. And I think that is excellent coaching, so I will give him credit for that. And you look at just the way they're able to mix the run. Now, I do question some of their use of running backs. You know, Jameer Gibbs should by all means get more touches than he does, and I know a lot of people like David Montgomery, but 
Gibbs is a home run hitter, so I would give him more touches. But regardless, you look at overall what they've done on offense is, is definitely successful. This team, you know, has become one of the top offenses in the league, and it's not like they have, you, you know, T.O. And, and Jerry Rice on the same team. I mean, like you're looking at Amandre St. Brown, who's an outstanding receiver, and Sam Laporta, who's a very good tight end. But then after that, you know, you're working with the Khalif Ravens, the Josh Reynolds, and they're still finding success there. So I think it's been a, a really good thing. You look at how they take their um, Panay Sewell, their, their left tackle, and they do so much with them. You know, they'll motion him and let him do similar things to what Trent Williams does in San Francisco. They even had him catch a pass. That scheme is, is really outstanding. I just wonder how that will be away from the Lions. But, uh, yeah, Ben Johnson is, is a really good candidate. I don't know that he's in the top three. In fact, uh, I'm pretty certain he isn't. But nevertheless, yeah, Washington, is that's where he's going to go. Well, so to your point about the, the top three, we've, we've heard or your colleagues at ESPN um, predicted that Aaron Glenn would be the Titans' choice for head coach, the Detroit uh, defensive coordinator. Um, as we as we talked about, there's guys with all variety of backgrounds. Antonio Pierce is obviously out of the running, given the Raiders yeah. uh, will end up keeping him. The right decision there, I think that's uh, my consensus league-wide, uh, that he had earned that Raiders job. Do you have a favorite candidate? I know we don't have access to their interviews, and we can only do – uh, our due diligence as far as trying to talk to as many people involved in the process as humanly possible, trying to talk to people at, at, at their respective clubs or around the league that we know to try and inform uh, our opinions about this stuff before we actually get the opportunity to spend more time talking to these guys and learning about what they're going to do. But do you have a favorite in the clubhouse right now of the 11 that they requested? Yeah, well, it's pretty simple for me. If you're talking about who I think is best for the job, it's without a conversation, Brian Callahan. And you look at what he he's done, right, 2010 to 15. And by the way, 15 was a Super Bowl winning year with the Denver Broncos. This is a guy who he has your Shanahan ties. Why? Because he worked for a branch from the original, almost a great catch by Zay Flower. He worked for the original Shanahan, not Kyle Shanahan, Mike Shanahan. And uh, Gary Kubiak, you know, was one of the guys working for him. So you have that tie that Callahan has there. His father is, is a, you know, was a former Raiders coach. He's an O-line coach with the Browns. So you have a kid who, you know, grew up in, in coaching and understands the coaching. But most importantly for me with Brian Callahan is when you look at just the, the success he's had, right? Matthew Stafford, back-to-back -back 4K passing seasons in, in uh, 16 and 17. Um, Derek Carr, his first 4K passing season in 18. Then he gets to Cincinnati, and we know the success that Joe Burrow has had. And then you have the similarities, right? Cincinnati is a team that, let's face it, the offensive line has been subpar, but they still have been one of the top 10 offenses in the time that Callahan has been four out of the five years. True. Right? So you got that. Then you look at just the understanding uh, of, of – tendencies and how it's not a bad thing to have tendencies. In fact, you want to have tendencies because your tendencies are things that you typically do well. So you can rely on that in stressful situations. And that's what he do he does. But then you have things to work off of it as well. So you got that. Give a good example of his ability to relate to players. Last year, week six, and I've said this over and over again, the Titans, or excuse me, the 
it should be the Titans, right? Because he should be their coach. The the uh, Bengals beat the Seahawks seventeen to thirteen. They had two hundred fourteen yards of offense, and before the bye, he laid into them because he didn't like how things were offensively, despite the fact that they got the victory. And some players would, you know, well, wait a minute, coach, we got the W. Like, what are you getting on me for? No, they responded to that. Uh, he laid into them before the bye. Then they come back and he laid into him again. And Orlando Brown Jr. actually said that he really respected the way he was willing to say what needed to be said and then also uh, relate to the players and light the fire under them. And guess what they did? Week eight coming out of the bye week, they dropped 33 on the 49ers in San Francisco and won the game. I like a guy like that that has the, the impact. So for me, when you look at Callahan, there's really – and I could – say a lot more about him because i did a lot of research but there really isn't an area where i say oh i have a concern like if i was making that decision sure it's and it's not even like the only thing that comes to uh, to mind for me Teron, is it's there's just so many more things that are involved with the the operation of a head coach as opposed to what brian callahan has done but that shouldn't uh, that shouldn't necessitate like that shouldn't be a mark against them there's so many different coordinators who are getting their names out there from their success and having built their resume the way that Callahan has. And of course, having spent his entire life around this um, yeah. has been, has been kind of the thing that, you know, you come away with those conversations from, for me, you know, the, the, the second place person would be Mike McDonald just because of everywhere, everywhere that he's been, he's had success. Um, even going back to when he was a grad assistant at Georgia, you hear stories about how hands-on he was at the time when he was basically the same age as the players and kind mm -hmm. of understanding, taking time to make sure that he understands all the various position groups. But it's it's hard to not give it's hard to not give the offensive guy kind of the nod there, TD, when it's the best way to protect yourself from losing your play caller year in and year yeah. out. The way that Mike Vrabel had to do twice, and ultimately, you know, you can argue that it was a part of his downfall, if not. Um, you know, the, the thing that kind of drove it where the, the owner is bringing up the level of evolution that the offense has taken or not taken. Um, and, and frankly, she mentioned both sides of the ball. So I, I, Callahan would get the, would get the nod there for me, but I, I really do like Mike McDonald and I would, I would not be upset if that was their decision, even though I think fans are going to kind of cringe at the idea of another defensive mm -hmm. background head coach. Mm -hmm. Mike McDonald is a really good coach. And the thing I like about him is very attacking. But you do have to remember this. Chuck Smith, the pass rush doctor, the specialist, came to Baltimore this year, and all of a sudden you saw the sacks just go right up. And you look at Jadavian Clowney, career year, you know, career high, nine and a half sacks. He cashed in. He just got a tackle for a loss just now. And you, you look at the technique, and that's the thing, right? You watch these players and you see technique and, and the things that they're doing. You know, he, along with Kyle Van Noy, who's played – what 14 or so years career high nine sacks like it's not a coincidence that two veterans have career highs in sacks with chuck smith in the mix yeah. but you also look at mcdonald and the way he attacks you, know, you see arthur mullet blitzing at times i mean they really go at it and they're solid on all levels of the defense so i i just wonder okay how much of that is a product of the ravens who draft really well and trade well right getting roquan smith and Drafting Kyle Hamilton, Patrick Queen, who's suddenly become an outstanding. I think that that one right there, Patrick Queen, is, that's something that Mike McDonald, because he typically works with the linebackers, that's something that he has a feather in his cap 
So I like him as a coach. I would be curious, you know, who he would bring with him, you know. But uh, a quick thing on, on Callahan, you also have to remember, so there's a workaround, right? Everybody wants uh, Mike Mus um, uh, Musk, uh, oh, man, Musgrave, Munchak, excuse me. I, I always do that. Uh, Mike Munchak, everybody wants him as the O-line coach, and that would be good. So if I'm Callahan, I consider that because that's a guy who's been there and done that. Now he could help me facilitate the background things that require being a head coach. But then you also have his dad, Bill Callahan, who's with the Browns as their O-line coach. But, you know, you could tag that assistant head coach title to him. And now that would prevent the Browns, from what I understand, would prevent them from blocking him going to, to here. So that's something else. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see that the way it plays out. By the time we do a, the next podcast, I'm going to, I'm assuming that they're going to have the coach because the next, the following weekend or the following week is Senior Bowl, and this stuff does not stop for anybody. Which is why Amy Adams Strunk made the decision when she did not to try, trade Mike Vrabel to, but but make sure that she's in the mix. That their job is one in the mix for one of these top candidates that they can try and land. Uh, and shout, out, shout out Terrell Williams, right? You know, he got the head coach yeah. uh, drive there uh, coaching the senior ball, the American team. That would be dope. Well, and, it, you know, it's just – just it's going to be interesting to see how many, if any, are retained because all the staff here that was under Rabel is still under contract. And you mm -hmm. know, we were at the press conference with Rand when he mentioned that they were going to, you know, allow guys to pursue other opportunities, as several have. Um, from assistant coaches to coordinators and things like that, other opportunities with other teams, um, while still saying, hey, we're going to give you the opportunity to meet with our guy as well, whenever that is, that we bring him in, and, and they'll have yeah. the ability to make a decision from there. So uh, there there may be a holdover or, or, or a couple um, from the current Titans coaching staff. Uh, Terrell Williams, uh, it's it's cool to see him get that opportunity, and I know he's going to make the most of it down there, Big T. Yeah, absolutely. That's going to be uh, really good to – Catch up with him again down there. Um, I got to speak to him uh, briefly, and he did say he was weighing his options. You know, he's not opposed to coming back. So sure. we'll see what happens. I mean, he's a guy you definitely want around. So uh, we talked about Mike McDonald, but since Bobby Slowick is also coaching in this game that's on right now, Toronto, as we get ready to wrap up the first uh, first quarter, Texans are back on offense uh, right now, trying to uh, trying to make some uh, trying to capitalize basically. Uh, get oh a near interception by Kyle Hamilton uh, there, who's just sick with himself that he dropped it. Uh, where they're sitting about, looks like they're about the 34, 35 yard line, uh, 33 yard line right now. Um, so with with Slowick, he's obviously got the connections uh, with Rand Carthon, and Rand mentioned that he had uh, connections across the league. He's regarded as one of the best relationship builders. We've talked about. Uh, other people about this. We've talked to Rand about this, and and that's been mm -hmm. the resounding theme with him, and how advantageous that can be because he's a selling point for this job too. Um, and yeah. so Slowick, going back to the 49ers, his connections with Rand, and also the success that he's been able to have with C.J. Stroud. Of course, uh, Teron, the players matter so much more than anything else in this, and and Stroud is doing things that no other rookie quarterback has done, and he's benefited by the left, the best left tackle in football which Slowick can't bring with him wherever he ends up getting a job. But um, it is it is fascinating to see the way that they've worked out of these condensed formations all year long and how how well they've been able to capitalize and kind of strategize for, uh, for example, things like last week where they're running a bunch of two tight end sets. They're trying to, uh, they're trying to do six-man protections on a regular basis just to get through that game. Ultimately, 
You know, the Browns, uh, the Browns defense did not have a good day, but the game plan went in their favor. And Bobby Slowick is somebody who has been able to put his players in position to succeed all year long. Yeah, and that's what I like about them, the, the willingness to adapt, right? They don't always use those 12 personnel sets, but they knew Cleveland is an attacking defense. They like to get pressure on you. So they do that in order to offset it. And I, I think that's really good. I mean, you see where they will, you know, at times, you know, have, have uh, 11 personnel, sometimes even four receiver sets. You know, uh, the thing I like about them is, as you mentioned, the, the condensed uh, formations, like it, it allows them to do different things as far as like create matchups and dictate that. And then on top of that, you have a lot of motions and things like that that they do, which is something that we know that the Titans, they started to get into that, but that wasn't always something that you saw. So uh, that's a really good thing. Um, I just like Slowick. I don't know that he's ready to be that leader of the organization. I think that's the big question. And in talking to people in Houston, that's the feedback that I got. And even within the the offense, and it's funny you mentioned, you know, how it's always going to be about the players and you're 100% right. But players also, you know, tend to have buy-in and they tend to, you know, they also credit the scheme. But from people that I've talked to, they say, hey, look, man, like what we're running is, is good, but like the success is because of us, like we're out there. And yeah. so when you hear that, it's like, I don't know that that's a guy I would want to be the head coach, right? right because now. you're not getting that that total run through a wall buy-in from your offense, right? They're going out there and executing the stuff, but they feel that it's because of them. So there's a little back and forth there. I know John McClain has been very vocal about um, Slogue not being ready. And, and who knows, maybe his situation is similar to that of Ben Johnson last year. And I was like, okay, give me another year. Let me see this thing really uh, have some, some consistency. Uh, so with, with that being said, uh, the, they'll start to conduct in-person interviews here in just about two days as we're doing the podcast on the 22nd. They can start Brian Callahan, um, who should be the favorite in the clubhouse for no other reason than he's the only one who's got, reportedly, a follow-up interview schedule. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Candidates. That they they moved quick with him, too, right? Like, he was the first request, first interview, first second interview. I know that um, he was impressive. Um he has an extensive, like I said, it's it's he would be he would be the one. But you know, Aaron Glenn, though, um, I would imagine he'll get a second one pretty quickly, also. And I, I really hope Detroit does well, especially defensively, because Aaron Glenn, and it's funny because if you I don't know if you did you see his press conference, uh like his, his weekly coordinator press conference. Week, yeah. yeah. He so he might as well just picked up the phone and like called Brand and called Miss Amy and you know, everybody else. And because he was literally talking directly to them when he yeah. talked about the vision being the same from the owner. to the, And he even at one point, he said, all of the guys or women. Right. Like, come on. <laughs> he's really, really angling for that. Lamar with a big time scramble. Um, he's really angling for that job. And I get it. I mean, it's a job that I would want if I was him. But you just got to make sure that you get that offensive coordinator. And uh, you have another coordinator in waiting. That's the big thing that you got to do. Well, and that's the thing, Teron. Like all, all of this, we can we can talk about these guys until we're blue in the face the same way we'll, that we'll do with draft prospects and things like that. But everything has to be done in service of the quarterback that they have right now to be able to maximize that. 
Uh, fair to expect that Amy Adams Strunk thinks that Will Levis is her quarterback moving forward, even though, you know, to talk to some people around the league, they, they are, they're more wait and see with Will Levis where we're here on a, on a daily basis. And we see how, how, just how much he belongs out there almost mm -hmm. immediately um, that gives you the kind of foundational uh, groundwork to build upon with the, with the benefit, obviously of the rookie quarterback contract and, the amount of cap space that they have and exactly. some things that they have started to already stack, even though Skaronsky and Spears are, it's, I, I don't want to, you know, coach Max says all the time, keep your powder dry type of stuff. So you don't want to get too ahead of yourself, but there are some promising things about this roster um, that if handled correctly should be able to ultimately maximize the quarterback and take advantage of this window that we know is just so, so brief for these teams in particular where they've drafted this guy in the second round and they're already working against time uh, because of the lack of that fifth-year option on Will Levis. Yeah, and that's why they wanted to move into like that Dalton Kikade slot to to get him in the first round to get that extra year. And, you know, another thing with Aaron Glenn is just the culture side of things. I mean, you watched him on Hard Knocks, how he was there. Uh, I don't think that was an X, right? And I, I know I'm talking to, um, you know, one person in, in Detroit and, and he told me that, you know, he was a big part of that culture being turned around. And you need that, right? You need that here. Maybe not the culture turned around, but you need a, a reset and you need someone to come in here and just be a refreshing, like a breath of fresh air. Just the same as Mike Rabel was when he first got here. Sure. I think that's something that, you know, he did a really good job in helping. And I know his side of the ball was not stellar. In his time, you know, 30th, 31st, and I think like 29th or something like that in, in multiple years. But what he's been able to do as far as contribute is a major thing that I would look at as well. well and just to, just to kind of go back to something that you mentioned, the, the, the level of like culture change that's required here in Tennessee – I mean, Teron, you talk to as many people as, as anybody in that building. We all we all have conversations throughout the course of the year. The vibes were bad, like flatly bad, you know, in a variety of different They're doing this, right? They're, they're going up and down, up and down. You win, ooh, you lose. You and, and, but, and so much more losing, right, as of late to, to where, you know, the, a lot of the problems that may have existed that winning can cover up, it just – it all felt exacerbated. So – you know, if, if you could accuse Amy Adams Drunk of making any missteps thus far, it's you could argue that not firing Mike Vrabel at the end of that season just for the sake of trying to make a, a full sale change instead of experimenting for a year with Vrabel and Carthon. And, and listen, nobody blamed her for trying to make it work with Mike. I think everybody regards Mike Vrabel as a good coach and really? completely understand why she would look at him and say, okay, we want him to remain our coach. So it's not Let's try to make it work. Knocking her for it, but this it's, it's hard for, for incumbent coaches to succeed when there's a general manager change. They very, very rarely work out that way. And this situation obviously had some mitigating circumstances to it. Uh, that's been thoroughly reported on, but I just, uh, I, I look at this and, and say this, you know, this is the most important decision the franchise has had to make in 15 years, especially if she wants to continue this trend of elevating the profile of the Tennessee Titans, not just the marketing of, hey, we're the team that employs Derrick Henry and Mike Vrabel, which is kind of what they've been for the last four years. Yeah, well, you know, this organization, that was an outstanding route by Zay Flowers against Derrick. so Stanley. good, TV. I wanted wow. him here so badly. 
He was my number one receiver last year, even over uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, man. I loved his film. But, uh, man, he made me completely lose my line of thought. Um, dang, 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 dang. Oh, yeah, the, selling uh, Derrick Henry and, and, and Mike Vrabel. And that's the thing. This, this organization, they're at a true crossroad yeah. because they were able to attain a status to where you look, 20 21 and even 22 like we were going to a lot of primetime games you know what i mean and so they put the teams they want to see in primetime so they got themselves in a situation where they're an attractive team so now they just have to work to to continue that i think that's why it's at such a crossroad as you said and it's just gonna it's a changeover right now i mean i i guess they're gonna have to market will levis um and he's gonna have to <laughs> Have uh, he and DeAndre Hopkins, you know, kind of be the the start of things, and you have other players to complement that. Well, those two, uh, those two certainly sell themselves for a variety of different reasons. <laughs> but- hop, man. Hey, and that's one thing I will say. DeAndre Hopkins has been great to work with. Now, Hop, you got you, you can't make us wait so long on Fridays like that, but. You know, outside of that, like you, you've been, he's been an outstanding guy to, to work with. Uh, always, um, you, you know, even on a couple of times outside of Fridays, you know, got him to, to talk some. And, and he, he was, it was a pleasant surprise because a lot of people said that he was such a diva to stand at third. And uh, he, it was a pleasant surprise uh, covering him this past year. Well, I just think, I just think, you know, and, and this is something that, that certainly we all learn over the course of our, our careers. If you're willing to, you know, you have to find different ways to engage guys like that when they have, yeah. you know, everybody has more layers to them than they, than they let on in media availability and stuff like that. But that's a, that's a genuinely nuanced and fascinating individual from a, from a bunch of different angles beyond just the football. The football is, of course, what makes him DeAndre Hopkins, what makes him yeah. interesting first and foremost. But uh, to talk to that guy and to and to kind of understand, you know, um, how how he goes about it and how you how how you need to approach him, basically, mm-hmm. um, to to understand to have to one help him to understand that there's going to be a level of respect. Uh, in that, because I think he's somebody who's very, very cognizant of how he's discussed. I think we all know that he's oh, very, yeah. very cognizant yeah, he's on top. <laughs> of how he's discussed. So, uh, you know, just kind of keeping that in mind and, and obviously doing great things uh, for, for this franchise in ways that, you know, I think may have may have even exceeded anybody's expectations, however high they were for DeAndre Hopkins coming in here. But, uh, Teron, I, I really appreciate you taking some time on your Saturday. Enjoy the rest of this divisional round. Throughout the course of the weekend, of course, talking uh, with TD, the podcast, a great episode. Yeah. This week we got the, you know, we got the, we got the swag. Why aren't you? I mean, listen, yeah, this is a promotional vehicle, Teron. You got hey, to have the gear all the way out. Can people, can people get the hats? No, they're not available anymore. But if you DM me, we'll see what we can do. <laughs> it's a 1v1 deal at T, <laughs> at T Davenport underscore NFL is where you follow. The main man, ESPN.com, where you read him. And of course, ESPN 102.5. He's all over their shows throughout the course of the week. Buddy, I appreciate your time and enjoy the rest of your weekend. For sure. You too.